Good morning to you. I'm Pastor Sarah from Crozet United Methodist Church. And as you can see, I am not at the church this morning. We received a significant amount of snowfall starting very late last night, and it has continued and is going to continue. And while I am about a three minute drive from the church building, a lot of our staff and volunteers are from further away. Some out in Nellie's Ford, some over the mountain in Waynesboro, and some even further than that. And because I am to keep people safe, and because it is being suggested by local authorities that we do not travel currently, I have asked them to stay safe and comfortable in their homes. And so we're gonna have a little bit of a different kind of experience this morning. I am in the Parsonage. This is a home that the church owns and the clergy that are appointed to serve here get to live here while we do that. And so this is the house that my son and I, our dogs and now our chickens share. And this is the great room. This is kind of the center of our home. It's a place that we have made into kind of a sacralized space. And so I'm gonna kind of lead you through a little bit of a devotion this morning, but let's begin with prayer. Let us pray. Lord, you have sent snow once more upon the earth. And as we use this opportunity to try to stay safe and enjoy the warmth of our homes, we remember that there are many for whom safety is not a blessing currently. We remember and our hearts cry out for those that are unable to stay warm because of poverty and circumstances, because of a discompassionate state of the world. We pray that we, the body of Christ, will find the means and the opportunities to show them grace, love, and to be a blessing to them. As we take this time to unite our hearts, our minds, and our spirits in these acts of worship and devotion, we thank you for you are not impeded by distance. No snow day prevents us from experiencing your love and your grace. So Lord, through your miraculous ways, allow us to offer our praise and thanksgiving to you, to receive the ministry of the word and to be impacted by your holy text. And above all, Lord, help us to be perfected by your love, no matter where we are and what trials and tribulations we face this day and in the days ahead. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. So I mentioned to you that this is kind of sacralized space in a way for us in our home. And many of you have been worshiping with us from your homes during the isolation of the pandemic. And so I wanna talk a little bit about ways that you might be able to make this online experience a little more holy, not just today, but any time that you find yourself worshiping like this virtually. So there are things that we do in the church to consecrate space. Consecration is when you invite God to permanently dwell in a space and to leave a piece of God's self there all the time. That's why those spaces can feel very distinct, different, and holy when you walk into them. Our sanctuary is one of those places. When it was built and when it was ready to be inhabited for worship, 
clergy invoked God to dwell there. It is a very similar thing that we see in the book of Exodus with the completion of the tabernacle, that roaming tent ministry, where God was able to be physically in the midst of God's people as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, but also in the consecration of the temple that King Solomon built. And in both cases, the presence of God is invoked through prayer and worship, and there are clear indications that God's presence fills those spaces and remains there. So we're not going to consecrate our homes, but we can sacralize them. We can make it so that during these times of worship and adoration, and especially when we're having our devotional time, hopefully a little bit every day, it can seem a little more holy. So sometimes it's very obvious, like behind me, you see a rather large painting that adorns our wall of Esther and King Ahasuerus from the book of Esther. He's showing her mercy behind me. So that is always something that is very large. We can focus upon it. We have candles behind me and that's a perfect way to sacralize your space. So I have my candle and my little lighter here. And just like I was trained to do as an acolyte back when I was in high school, we can light a candle. Now, traditionally in worship, you see at least two candles, one for each nature of Christ our Lord, fully human and fully divine. So two candles, or you could have one candle that could serve as your Christ candle, the one Lord, or you could think of it as the unity of our Godhead, the Trinity. So if you have three, there are lots of ways to do that. Or you could just have a plethora of candles. There's nothing wrong with having that for light has always been a metaphor that we use for God. Now, one thing about sacralizing space is using all your senses. So we've got the light, which is definitely visual. I've got my other visual back here. So maybe you want to use your scent. Now, maybe you have a scented candle. I always keep frankincense incense, which is something very biblical and used for worship. And so I will actually have some, you can't see it right now, that is burning and it's kind of filling this space with this holy fragrance that we have definitely at Advent and Christmas in Epiphany. It's one of the gifts that the wise men brought. It's also something that the Israelites used in their worship. And so incense could be a way that you do that. You can also sacralize space through sound. So um, I actually have this great album uh, that I listened to on vinyl of Handel's Messiah. And so I can't play that for you because that would be a violation of copyright. But um, later on today, I will be listening to a little bit of Handel's Messiah. Uh, however, you could always choose to sing a cappella. God doesn't say that it has to sound like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. It needs to sound like you praising God. And so uh, my old fallback is always a copy of the United Methodist Hymnal. Uh, it's great to have these at home, no matter what happens, even if the power goes out, we can still sing. And I want to encourage you to have at least one sacred song, one song that was written specifically for the praise of God that you learn or that you have the lyrics to so that you at any time can worship and adore God by singing God's praises. So those are things that you can do. Now I clearly get to spend time in 
sacralized and consecrated space at the church and lead worship on Sundays, generally. Uh, not today, of course. Um, but when I'm at home, I like to start off my mornings not just with one of those cups of transformed holy water that I call coffee, but I also, this year, am using a devotional book. So this is a prayer journal, and at the top of every page is a Bible verse, and then there's just a little bit of space for you to write oh gosh, less than 200 words uh, of a prayer. And I've been doing that since January 1st, and today's I thought was most interesting. It comes from Genesis 31, 49, and it says, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. How perfect is that? And so I wrote a little prayer, and here's what I wrote. I said, may it be so, Lord, Separation from the full body of Christ has been the worst part of this pandemic. I struggle with the high cost of it mentally, emotionally, and of course, spiritually. You are our connector, even as you guide and guard us. When the time is right, bring us back together with shouts of joy. Amen. So I hope that you will consider how you can create a space like this in your home, or even if it's just for a time each day where you can have a, a beverage, whether it's coffee or tea or even water, there's a lot of holiness in water, or I have an opportunity to just be still and know, to offer some prayer, to revel in the good things that you have for which your heart shouts out joy to God. Those are important aspects of being a Christian. It's not just about going into a building on Sunday morning and spending an hour in a sanctuary. There are a lot of ways that we are called to be holy, to be made holy as God is holy. Um, now, I am not going to give you my full sermon that I had for today. I'm going to save that for next week. It's about a deadly sermon. It's about a sermon that is so long that someone actually dies. So you are definitely going to want to be with us next week. But I am going to read you a little bit about snow in the Bible. So snow is not constant like it might be in areas of the United States like Montana or especially Alaska, but it's also not unheard of like it might be in Hawaii <laughs> on the beach islands. But instead, in places of high elevation, and Jerusalem was one of them, snow did appear. Now, it's not going to appear in lizard form, but they did know snow. And the prophet Isaiah actually opens the book of Isaiah by using snow as a metaphor for the transformation that we get when we receive God's grace and seek God's forgiveness and are truly forgiven. So I invite you to hear these words from the prophet Isaiah chapter 1 verses 16 through 20. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan and plead for the widow. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Lord, we turn to the prophet Isaiah, a holy person who was called upon by you, received the spirit of the Lord to do holy work, difficult work, to preach to God's people, to have them hear a new word about seeking to be transformed, about leaving our sins behind us and yearning for a bright and beautiful future where we live more as we were created to live, as a holy people who seek to do good, who love justice, who love one another. May this time together with you and with one another through the miracles and the hard work of technology enable us to do just that. Thanks be to you, Almighty God. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So this text references snow, and it's using it as a comparison between the scarlet crimson red of sinfulness and the cleansing that happens because of God's grace that cleanses us and makes us pure and white as snow. Now, that doesn't mean white as in Caucasian-ness. That's not what it is at all. Remember, the people that were producing this text, including the prophet Isaiah himself, was not white like this. In fact, he was probably more the color of my cuddler chair behind me. I definitely brown-skinned people. So they weren't using white as in our skin, but instead they were talking about the purity of snow, which is great today that it's snowing here because then you can look out and really see that unadulterated pure whiteness of snow. But you know what's really interesting? The longer that the snow stays around, the less pure it looks, right? The more it kind of hangs out in our realm down here on the ground, it's not gonna stay white for very long. I can tell you, my, my dogs are already out there making a mess of it. And the more that we tread on it, the more that it becomes warm from our movement and the ground, it will start to look less and less like a pure white blanket covering our landscape. Now, the red that is referenced is actually what's inside of us. It's our blood. It's that human sinfulness is a part of who we are. If we are alive and given the opportunity as we age to start think about, thinking about our own will, that we will start to manifest sin. That's why we have to be trained to resist our will and embrace gods. And that's a lifelong journey. That's a lifelong training. We're still learning how to do that. It's not something that comes naturally, although some people seem more inclined to, to embrace it earlier in life, but it is a struggle. And so the prophet Isaiah is dealing with a people who have not been faithful. They have not only chosen their own individual ways, but they have embraced the sinful ways of other peoples, other nations, other religions, and because of that, their ways have been perverted. They have perpetuated sin. They have innovated sin. And God does not want that for God's people. God wants us to be a people, just as the prophet says, who cease to do evil, who learn to do good, who seek justice. That means you have to look it out. You have to look for it. You have to seek it out. It's, justice doesn't just happen. It has to be something that we endeavor to do to make sure that if someone has been harmed, that they are comforted. If someone is struggling and being abused, that they discover that there are those that will not just be with them, but that will stand up and protect them. And that if there, there are those that have been silenced, that we will help them find and use their voice 
Justice is a huge part of the prophetic tradition in the holy text. It also says that we should rescue the oppressed. That's part of seeking justice, that we don't just leave them to their oppression, but that we seek to bring them up, raise them up out of the downtrodden existence that they have had because of the human sinfulness of other people, other societies, and other experiences in this world. I love that it continues to remind us to defend the orphan and plead for the widow. These are people in biblical times, even in the time of Jesus, that were often victimized because of circumstances. An orphan had no adult to provide for them, and there was no social safety net in order to catch them. Without a parent, they were banished to a life of extreme poverty, painful suffering, and an early death. And most people weren't looking to adopt them because they had their own mouths to feed. So generosity to the orphan was truly a blessing to them. And to defend them, to let them not be battered and abused, not to let another take advantage of an orphan, but instead to love them and treat them as if they were one of your own, which is exactly what Joseph did with baby Jesus. He adopted him and treated him as he was his own. We also see the inspiration to plead for the widow. Back in biblical times, if you were a widow, it meant that you lost your livelihood. You lost your security. And often for widows, there were only two horrific choices, to either become a prostitute or to die destitute. Both of those were horrific ideas to be taken advantage of and used purely for your body or to slowly suffer and die. Those are not the ways of God. Those are the indifferent ways of the world. And so God asks us to be proactive and looking at people who have lost their security and people who need help assistance, who need a new relationship and a new connection. And that is something that we seek to provide as the body of Christ. And I hope that we can. But I hope that we will use this day and use the snow, our chance to kind of look at it and meditate on it and appreciate it to see that God is offering us a new chance today. No matter what happened yesterday or the day before that or the day before that, we are given new life today. How wonderful is it to not just know or serve, but to be loved by a God who says that every day is a new beginning for you, that my grace is ever for you, it will always be with you. And that if you have had a down day or a down year <laughs> or longer, that I am willing to set you free from the pain and the suffering, the guilt and the sin of your past so that today can be your new day. That's why when we begin worship, sometimes you hear us to say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And let us begin our worship because we are acknowledging before one another and God that today is a new day, which means that we have to look at people with new eyes. We have to listen with new ears and we have to love them with a new heart. That newness, that beautiful blanket of grace, like the newly fallen snow, may it cover everything and transform the landscape of our society, of our homes, of our relationships, 
and of our lives so that it will truly be a new day, not just for us, but for those that encounter us, for those that experience us in our homes, for those that will experience us when we go out into the world, for those that will encounter us online in social media, that above all, we will learn to reflect more and more of God. And that's a beautiful thing because what God is telling us in the prophet Isaiah and throughout the scriptures is that I am sacralizing you. I am going to make you holy. So while we can be very intentional about our space, our time, and what we do with this vessel, ultimately, all of these things are about sacralizing it so that as God sends it out into the world, that we have the opportunity to show people our Lord, our same God. That's why the, the Apostle Paul says that this is a temple, because a piece of God's self dwells here. And that's what we invoke at baptism. That's what the laying of hands and the invocation of the Holy Spirit to not just descend upon us, but to reside within us, that a piece of God's self would stay here for all time and that we would never be alone or abandoned. And because we recognize that sacred gift, that we would no longer allow another beloved child of God to be alone or abandoned. Remember, we serve a Lord who says, I am coming to you. In a little while, you will no longer see me, but others will see Christ because Christ is with us. So may we be inspired today May you stay safe, and may we remember those who don't have that luxury or that blessing this day. Those who have vital and necessary work to do, who put themselves at risk not only traversing the dangerous conditions of icy roads and snow-covered landscapes, but those who put themselves at risk for contracting COVID-19 because they are serving those who are sick and imprisoned by this illness. May we remember those who, because of their circumstances, don't have the luxury of heat or clothing that is appropriate to keep them safe and warm. May we remember those that don't even have homes. May we look for opportunities today and in the days ahead to show them God's mercy, God's compassion and love, and our willingness to go to them and give them a piece of what we have received. That's one of the reasons why the church takes tithes and offerings. It's one of the gifts that allows us to give not only to bring honor and glory to God and to make a testimony of how important God is in our lives, but God then takes that and transforms it into a blessing for others. Every time it snows, I think about the number of people in my four and a half years that I've been at Crozet United Methodist Church that we have helped with heating and utility bills. We have paid for wood, for wood burning stoves that heat homes. We have paid for protein, uh, protein, propane. There are many things that we have done in order to help people in their time of need. And that's not going to end. That is part of who we are and what we do as the body of Christ. And so our gifts, are part of that. And you can consecrate your gifts. 
you can pray over them. Now, when it comes to my tithing, I automatically have my tithe check cut every time I get my paycheck, my tithe check gets cut and gets sent directly to the church. But every time I get the notification that my payment has been sent, I stop and I say a prayer. I give thanks that I have the means by which I can do that. I give thanks for God's blessings and grace upon me. And then I pray that that gift that I give will bless others. And that because of the faithfulness that I am endeavoring to show, they will experience love, mercy, compassion, and kindness. And that that will pave the way for a transformative encounter and relationship with the same God that inspired my giving. May it be so. Let us pray for the offerings that will come forth from this day. Gracious and loving God, you have always been present with us. You have given us so much. And if we pause and take the moment to, as the prophet Isaiah says, be still and know, more and more we will discover those good things. And let us respond appropriately by giving thanks to you in our prayers, in our praise, the way we talk, the things that we sing, and especially the devotion and the worship that we bring to you this day. And Lord, we are praying very hard that those who are in need will find their way to us. Direct them, guide them, nudge them, not only through our open willingness to meet their needs and respond to what they are lacking, but may they find people who are compassionate and kind in our daily interactions, that every time we see another person, we have the opportunity to show them Christ. May it be so, Almighty God. Consecrate our gifts, consecrate us, and allow us to be living vessels of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the triune God, we pray. Amen. Well, this has not been what I had hoped it would be on a Sunday, but I promise you that the plans that myself and our worship team have made will be back. And so hopefully that will be next week. But thank you for taking this time to join me in my adoration of God. And I pray that the rem remainder of this day is a blessing for you. And perhaps the next time you have to worship at home, you'll have some ways to make it truly special and holy. And it will feel that much more different from our daily lives. Because sometimes in the pandemic, it's drudging through a day after day existence that can be very difficult for some. I have learned that one of the greatest blessings that I have had, even in the midst of this, is that I get to be with people in worship in new ways. So God bless you and go forth in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.